Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 8. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Let me give you a little backstory very quickly. They have shown up, David and his men. They have been ostracized from fighting with the Philistines and they have shown up to Ziklag, returned to their home where their wives and their children and their goods should have been, but they have found it burned with fire and there is an uprising in the men. They are so overwhelmed. They've been ostracized by the Philistines. They feel like they have been at a place where even the Lord has abandoned them and now David has led them astray, it seems, because their wives and their children and their goods have been taken. And this uprising causes them to even in their ignorance want to slay David. But David has called for the ephod and he goes to prayer. And right here he says, David inquired at the Lord, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, the Lord. Aren't you glad when the Lord answers? He answered him, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him and came to the brook Basor where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint they could not go over the brook Besor. Now turn over in your Bible or just look forward to the 15th verse. And so that you know, we're going to read verse 15 through 25. And I know that's a lot, but stick with me for a moment. David said unto him, after they found this Egyptian slave that had been left by an Amalekite master, canst thou bring me down to this company? He wanted to know if they could take him to the Amalekites. And he said, swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. They did not know that David was about to get his revenge. While they were celebrating, David was about to get his revenge. And I would tell somebody before I read any further, I think it's time that we wreck the devil's party. I think it's time we wreck the devil's party for celebrating with stuff that's yours and family that's yours. 
And David smote them from twilight even to the evening of the next day, and there escaped not a man of them save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all. Somebody say all. He recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives, and there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great. Neither small nor great. Neither sons nor daughters. Neither spoil nor anything that they had taken them. David recovered all. The Lord told him he was getting everything back, and so we shouldn't be shocked that he did get everything back. David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before these other cattle and said, This is David's spoil. And David came to the 200 men, remember them, which were so faint that they could not follow. They could not follow David, whom they had made also to abide at the brook Besor. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near to the people, he saluted them. Notice this, David salutes the men that did not go forward to recover. Then answered all the wicked men, the men of Belial, those that went with David and said, because they went not with us, we're not giving them aught of the spoil that we have recovered. Save to every man his wife and his kids. They can have their wives. They can have their kids. But that's all they get. Verse 23, then said, David, ye shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall be his part that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall part alike. And it was so from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. David looked at them and said, you didn't get it back for yourself. The Lord gave it back to us. And if the Lord told me it was okay for them to stay and rest, then you're not going to keep from them their blessing just because they were in a season where they needed to rest, where they were faint. I am challenged by the Lord to preach this, this message today, finding rest, finding rest. I think God is gonna help us here in the next few minutes. If you love him, would you ask him that his word would do its intended purpose here today? God, help me to preach with wisdom and clarity. I pray that you'd help me to deliver your word. I pray that you would do what only you can do here. Help my mind. Help your people to be blessed, encouraged, and strengthened. Be thou exalted, O Lord. Bless every man and woman in this room, from the youngest to the oldest. Do your work among us in this house. We need you, O God. We need you, O God. We ask it. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And let everybody say amen. amen. God bless you and you may be seated before the Lord. You may be seated but please do not sleep. I ask you this question. Did anyone get caught sleeping over the last couple of days? 
There is a great, great picture from my house that I cannot show where one of the individuals doing Thanksgiving with us fell asleep. And while they fell asleep, this sweet lady, this sweet woman fell asleep. All of the other ladies posed for a picture behind her. And they were very smiling. It looked like she was photoshopped in, but she wasn't. It was real. If you're here and you got good rest after some ham or after some turkey, you know who you are. It doesn't matter. It just something came on you. You needed a little rest. One of my favorite things um, to do is to every now and then be sent some funny videos. This is a season when I get sent some funny videos of some snoring. I want to know if anybody in the room resembles any of these people. If your husband snores, raise your hand. We need to help you pray right now. We... This guy still got his phone up. Still got his phone up. You might be addicted if. I asked, I asked Madison, the creative team, to pull a couple of clips together, and I, I gave her this one specifically, but I want you to see the next one she sent. I did not ask for this. This was Fourth of July party. I, I did not know this video was taken, nor did I ask for that. Turn that one off. Good, you got your way. I showed it. We'll talk later. Um, I want to tell you that there is a difference between a cat nap and finding rest. There's a difference between dozing off and finding rest. There's a difference between going to bed and finding rest. Hear me now. The Lord told me that we've got people among us that you love God and you're trying to live for God, but the cares of this life have got your mind so spent and your family so exhausted that you are doing everything right now but finding rest. Now, whether you're a regular member or whether you're a visitor, I'm telling you, God sent me on assignment to tell you how to find rest today. You're going to find rest in one place, and it's in the Lord. You're going to find rest in one place, and it's in the Lord. As I consulted the Lord and prayed and worked through Scripture after Scripture, from Genesis all the way through to the Revelation and trying to study and look in Isaiah at the prophecy and some of the things that I'll share today, I found myself reoccurring in one place that this faintness, this weariness, this lack of nutrition seemed to go hand in hand with it. And this lack of ability to find pure rest left people vulnerable at certain times. In a study done a handful of years ago, they found people that drove tired were as dangerous as people that drove drunk. And so we have to be in a place here today where we're asking ourselves, how can we navigate our homes if we are spiritually and physically exhausted? 
Pastor, we've had a good service. I don't know why you're preaching about rest. I'm going to tell you why. Because the devil, the enemy, the person who wants to work against you, whether it's being used by the enemy uh, at your job or whether it's someone that's being used against you in your own family that's trying to steal peace and rest from you, I've come to tell you there is an answer that can only be found one place. It's in this word. It's in this word. This word would challenge every man and woman in this building that we have to find ourselves in him. Not simply seeking the hand of God, which is the provision of God, but seeking the face of God. To be like Jesus. On earth I long to be like him. But when I seek him, I seek him how? I seek him through the study of his word. I seek him through prayer, and I even seek him through fasting. I get my flesh to where my flesh is no longer being fed by the things of this world. Some of the things that we need to fast from are not food. We need to, we need to fast from the ideologies and the customs that have become so common in our Western culture. We need to fast from thinking that we, when we get into the holiday season, our devotion goes out the window. We need to fast and get rid of the thinking that when we get into the holiday season, all we do is eat, 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 and don't pray, pray, pray. I'm going to tell you right now, there's not enough cranberry sauce, there's not enough eggnog, there's not enough, there's not enough yuletide glee that's going to take away the fact that every day, if you want to be fulfilled, you've got to get a place alone with the Lord. And you've got to remember, in Him I live, in Him I move, in Him I have my being. I cannot do it without the Lord. And I want to tell you that we live in a world, especially from the business mindset, where those who take time to rest have been looked down upon. Even though our bodies, designed by God, naturally must have rest. Do you know that your body is designed in a way you have to have rest? You have to sleep. Some of you need a little bit more than others. You know who you are. Someone was bragging recently to me, I only need about four hours of sleep. No, you don't. No, you don't. Only You may have convinced yourself that you only need four hours of sleep, but you need more than four hours of sleep. And I'm, I, I want to talk to you here today. I want to take a little time with this runway. I, I, again, I want to remind you, the Lord would have us to know he designed us to be pleasing to him, not to the things of this world not to the customs of this world. And if we're working 12 and 14 hour days so that we can buy big Christmas gifts, but we're not praying 12 minutes. Come on, we're working all the overtime we can so that we can get time and a half or double time pay, but we're not putting any time in in intercession and we're not putting any time in in our prayer chat. Oh, pastor, don't get on to me today. I'm after you. I'm coming after you. That's, what I'm, that's my job. It's my job. Here I come. I'm going to tell you right now. If we please men, but we please not the Lord, what have we really done? Men and women of God, I submit to you here today, it is not time to step back on our prayer. It is time to move forward in our prayer. It is time. I would rather you get less overtime and put some overtime in your prayer closet. Your family can do without bigger gifts. Your family can do without a new car, but your family cannot do without prayer. Your family cannot do without you getting a hold of God. Your family, your marriage cannot do without it. Listen, I promise you a new ring is not going to give you the peace that a praying marriage will give you. I promise you a new house or a new job is not going to give you the sustained joy that finding rest in a prayer. 
Anybody ever got in a prayer closet and you're just crying and praying and seeking God and you feel like I never want to leave? You ever got to that place? But you do leave, right? And then the enemy of your soul wants to keep you from getting back there and wants to make you think it is work. There are some people here today, you listen very clearly. You don't want to go to prayer because every time you go to prayer, it is warfare. Hear me, please hear me. I'm going to give you instruction. There is a difference between devotion and intercession. There is a difference between warring in the spirit and intercession and simply having devotion. Devotion is your time where you just have time with God. I don't care if you want to drink, drink tea with God, have coffee with God, sip on some water. I don't care if you're that person that just wants to open the scripture, you listen to a Bible app. I don't care how you do it, just do it. Just have time with the Lord because you will not... Listen, I'm going to just hit some things here today in the holiday season. You're not going to find that rest in some Hallmark flick. You're not going to find that rest in some trip to the mall. You're not going to find that rest or that refreshing in some, you go up north to the Kindle whatever. Listen, hear me right now. You cannot find rest any other way than getting alone in his presence and letting him begin to work on you, begin to consume there's people in the room right now, you don't know why you're exhausted. And God sent me to tell me because you are not finding your time with him. When your time with him is a priority, but our problem is it's not just that we have a struggle to rest. We struggle to rest because of the evaluation of others, the comparison of others. If I take time to rest, it means I'm not a go-getter. False. Okay? If, it, if, if I take time to rest, then what will people think of me? I want us to dive back into the story here, 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're reading this long narrative that's actually being explained. David and his men, Brother Titus, are at a very unique place. David that actually is this Philistine killer. We know this story. It's been preached from every platform, taught in every Sunday school room. And yet at this season, he is joined with King Ashish and he is there in guarding with the Philistines themselves. They are fighting. They are men of war. They are in this unique and odd and awkward place where David and what seems like his renegade men are there fighting with the Philistines until there is an uprising of the princes of the Philistines and they look at David and say wait a minute is not this he of whom they have sang Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands and they look at David and they look at the king and they say he he cannot fight with us in battle for surely in a battle against Israel something will stir in his heart and he will turn against us. David and his men are at an awkward place where they are fighting with the Philistines. It's a dangerous place when your enemies make you feel more welcome than your brethren. That's why everyone should feel welcome in this house. Come on, God forbid anybody here feels more accepted with the ungodly than they do with the godly. God forbid anybody ever walks in here and said, I can't fit in at that church. I want you to know you fit in here and you belong here. It doesn't matter where you're from, whether you're black, white, red, purple polka dot. It doesn't matter whether you've got money, don't have a dime to your name. You fit here. Doesn't matter if you've had a perfect life or everything.
everything's gone wrong. We're not looking to discard you. We're not looking to kick you out. We're not looking to alienate you. And don't let, listen, don't you let any lie of hell make you feel like somebody's against you. And if somebody does get against you, you just come find me. I will. And if it's a sin problem, I'll tell you. I have no problem with that. Because the Bible, if it's a sin problem, won't want them to change. The Bible will tell you to repent and change. But this can't be a place where we pick on people and push them out where they feel like they're more accepted at happy hour with work. Come on, they'd rather go to happy hour with coworkers than show up at one of the events because they're more accepted. It can't be that way. We want everybody to know, regardless of where you've been and what you've gone through, come fight with us. Come join with us. Come be on the Lord's side. And I, I understand the story. I understand the dynamics of Saul. I, I recognize the history, and I'm not trying to be stretchy with the text by any, by any means, but I'm trying to frame this in such a way that it makes sense to us for where we are. David has now been pushed away by the princes uh, of the Philistines, and they're left in a place where they can no longer fight. They seem like men with no home, although there had been a place, Ziklag, where residents had been. There were homes there. There were wives there. There were children there. And then these wearied men are going to at least return to Ziklag because it seems as though the Philistines don't want us. And it seems as though we don't even belong with the Israelites. Where do we belong? Let's just go home and we will regroup. However, as they are nearing their home, that place called Ziklag, they see smoke billowing into the sky. It was just a week ago that I had to reach out to a close friend of mine in Missouri who in the middle of the night woke up to their house of flames. Thank God everyone was okay. They got their wife. They got their, he got his wife and their kids and everything is fine. No one was hurt. Glory to God. That's not always the case and I know that's a sensitive topic. But imagine that they have showed up and the houses are billowing. It's just smoke that is rising. And by the time they can actually get there, there's nothing but ashes on the ground. They've been burned with fire. The houses do not remain. The wives are not there. They had expected to show up to the smells of their homes and the hugs of their children. They, they had expected after this denial by the Israelites, this denial by the Philistines, they had expected to feel the, the warm embrace of children. They had expected to feel the embrace of a spouse but as they get there there is nothing but the smoldering remains and the men did what men do they irrationally came to judgment and they said David's gonna die for this and if we're not careful we will through our own emotion kill people who do not deserve the blame be careful when you overreact prematurely. You can kill with your tongue. You can kill with your actions. Listen, if they would have killed David through their immature reaction, they would have assassinated their answer. Because David was the one who was about to hear from God. David was the one who was about to lead them forward. David was going to lead the convoy to find that Egyptian slave. David calls for that ephod, goes to prayer. And there in our opening text as we read, he has asked the Lord, Shall I pursue? 
Shall I overtake them? I love that it's two questions that David proves within his own prayer. Even if I won't overtake them, I'll go if you tell me. But I'd like to know, should I pursue them and shall I overtake them? And what did the Lord tell him as we read together in, in unison here today? You're going to recover everything, both great and small. You're going to recover your wives and you're going to recover your children. But on their way, they find a boy. It is an Egyptian slave who is left lying in the dust. It is an incredible moment in time when David's men bring to him this young man, this Egyptian slave. And when they see him, he is overwhelmed. He is faint. He is malnourished. He has not eaten for days and when they begin dialogue with him and they ask this young boy what is it what's going on he said three days ago my master left me because I fell sick when you read the story it seems like he was exhausted he has nothing to eat he has nothing to drink he has been discarded to which I would also say there are some in this place that hell left you as discarded but when God recovered you some of you are hell's worst nightmare because hell left you to die and the Lord came along just in time. David and his men show up and it seems like this boy has nothing to offer until through a bite of bread and a, and a cake of figs, as the Bible says. The, the Bible says he begins dialogue with them. And he tells them, Ziklag, we burned with fire. I've tried to imagine what it must have been. That interaction, that scowling look on David's face while he's spitting out cakes of figs, telling the story. We being with the Amalekites, we burned Ziklag with fire. If I'm David, I'm wanting to say, what do you mean, you? burned Ziklag with fire but this boy was not the assailant he was the servant to the enemy and when you become servant to the enemy you do what the enemy does well let that sink for a moment when you become servant to the enemy you do what the enemy does I promise you it was not this boy's desire to burn Ziklag with fire. But when you are the servant to the master of the Amalekites that is the one burning with fire, you do what you're told, when you're told, how you're told, and then you are discarded. And David looks at him rather than chastising him. He doesn't say, well, I'm going to kill you for what you did to my family. He doesn't say, I'm going to abuse you for what you did to our home. I'm going to tear you up. I'll burn you at the stake. No, no, no. He doesn't say that because he already got a word from the Lord that he was going to recover everything. Be careful to not kill people when the Lord already gave you a word that you the Lord already gave him a word that he was going to recover and when he comes to this boy he asked him a very simple question. Do you think you could help take us to this troop? Do you think you could lead us? You little Egyptian slave that's been discarded and left alone and I love that boy's response. If you won't kill me and if you won't give me back to my old master If you won't kill, that's his only request. If you won't kill me, I'll take it. Oh, by the way, and don't you give me back to the guy who used to have me. As long as you won't give me. Is there anybody glad that the Lord doesn't have any plans on giving you back to... I know that you were a servant unto sin, but the Bible says now you become servants unto righteousness. Come on, Romans chapter 5. You're not who you were. You're not who he discarded you to be. The enemy thought you were dead, but look at you now. Woo! 
Look at you now, man of God. Look at you now, woman of God. And this Egyptian slavery cover takes them and brings them to the place where the Amalekites are dancing. They're having a Thanksgiving shindig. They're dancing, they're laughing. Imagine this. How mad would you be if you show up and somebody's dancing with your wife? Got your shirt on. <laughs> Got your goods. Got your kids terrified in the corner. Fire going, wine spilling, dancing around. I feel a little bit just angry at hell. Because that's what hell wants to do. Hell's been having a party with some of your stuff and some of your people. Been having a party and expecting you to casually sit by and act like it's fine and you can't talk about it because you might hurt their feelings and you can't bring it up because you don't have any control. I want to remind you of something. You do have authority. You do have ability. You do have power. I know this is a physical warfare we're reading from in 1 Samuel and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty through God to the pulling down. The pulling down of strongholds. Here's my question. If hell's dancing with our stuff, shouldn't we be dancing when we take it back? Shouldn't we be dancing about what we've caught? If the enemy's dancing about what's been stolen, we ought to be dancing about what's been recovered. We ought to be dancing over what we've caught. If he's taken every job you've got, but you got the Holy Ghost, you ought to get something in your feet. You ought to get something in your spirit that reminds you, I didn't find rest in my stuff. I find rest in him. Him. And, and they whip them. It's gruesome. It's bloody. It's weird. But they carry all their stuff back. That's a good day. You ever gone on vacation and take an empty suitcase? This was an empty suitcase war. Brother Shonk, if you're ever going shopping and she says, bring a couple extra bags. Phone a friend. Got all their stuff. But on the way there, there's 200 guys. I've only heard it preached. I've only heard it taught in a negative context that 200 guys aren't well enough. They're not fed enough. They're not rested enough. And so they got to stop. We can't keep fighting. We're too weary. Can't go on. I've heard them beat on. I've heard them destroyed from pulpits. I've heard them taught about in lessons. I've even been guilty myself until the Lord chastised me this week and said, David never got onto them. 
David knew when it was time to rest, let them rest. Because how are they going to help recover what they're not healthy enough to take care of? And right now, we got a place where they've recovered everything. We got 400 people carrying goods for 600. We got Amalites laying dead everywhere. Amalekites laying dead everywhere. We got goods and services. We got all kinds of specialties. We got wives and kids everywhere. Entire caravan of people. David's getting two back. One's enough. Can't have too much of a good thing. Yes, you can. One's enough. <laughs> I'm going to move on. Um, they're bringing all this stuff back. Brother, Brother Mitchell, they get to the brook, though. There's 200 guys. Oh, oh, man, good. Rested. They didn't fight. They weren't there when the blood was being shed. They weren't there when the Amalekites were being destroyed. But sitting here ready to recover. A couple of guys said, we ain't giving them nothing. So they said, we ain't, we ain't doing that. I give, I killed somebody for this. I ain't giving them this. I fought for this while they were sleeping. I was doing outreach. All they did was showed up at prayer. They didn't earn this. I've been it every day. Can I, can I tell you right now, last week, somebody that can't even leave their house that's homebound was in charge of getting meals to dozens of people, and it's not any public credit, and they're not going to walk across the platform, not going to be seen on the stage. Sometimes, hmm, it's not about the public glory. It's being honest and doing what you can do when you can do it. And they come carrying all this stuff, caravan, 400 people. Imagine if I got 400 guys up in this room and we start a march. That's a lot of people. That's a big group and coming. 200 people are there. And all of a sudden, these guys said, no, nothing. We're not giving it to them. And David, hey, time out. God gave this to us. Don't you think just because your sword was working good yesterday, it was your hand doing the... Don't you think just because God let us recover it, God can't take it right? And to these 200 that had to rest, they come bringing and allowing them, not just their wives and their children, but the spoils of the war. Pastor Carson, what are you preaching to us from this text? I'm telling you this. You have to know when it's time to say no. You have to know when it's time to tell overtime no. You have to know. Listen, I'm gonna, some of you, don't please don't get mad at me. You don't have to go to every Christmas party. You don't have to host everything. Yeah, but if we don't go, what will they think? If you do go, what will. 
Such a weird message, Pastor. Why are you preaching this? Because the Lord told me this week that we are doing things but not finding time. That we are busy, 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 but we are not waiting upon the Lord. Because unless you wait upon the Lord, he can't renew your strength and You're busy, you're running to and fro and buying this and that and shopping here and there and working and doing and going in your great clip the other day, getting things ready for hosting and the wife was vacuuming the house and the husband was out back blowing leaves into the woods. She was like, I said we need to get ready for guests. He is actually cleaning leaves in the woods. Guys, get it. All this We're doing all this work. I bet there's hundreds of people in this room that you got your house ready to receive people over the last few days. I know we did. Lord, have mercy. And then they show up and you're like, man, I'm sorry. It's I painted stuff that's needed painted for a year. I fixed three doors the morning of. That day I fixed them. Doors hadn't closed for months. All part, that's just how, this is how we live. This is just. Come on, anybody witness with me? Your house looks so clean, and then they left. It's like holding in your gut, and then people leave you. And the Lord challenged me this week. You're doing all this work on your physical house. My people are doing all this work to make guests feel more welcome in their house than I feel in their heart. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to be right with him. I want to be right with him. Okay, pastor, so you're talking about rest and you're telling me that we can recover all and even if we have to take time to rest, we won't be judged. Let me tell you how we rest. We don't rest from church. I'm going to get it. I got one shot today. Here we go. You don't make the work party but miss church. I know some people are not going to like what I say right here, but I'm going to pastor really good right now. You don't miss church so you can cram for an exam. It's all right. That was a little soft, but it's still good. It's good pastoring. It's good leading. Well, I got church all the time. (gasps) Come on now. What are we sacrificing in the day-to-day while we're shoring up the places of our physical house? Are we checking every nook and cranny of our heart? Are we examining the places? Are we making sure that the Lord, the reason that I must rest is because Isaiah would prophesy. Right in this time, it starts the whole chapter 28 talking about drunkenness and talking about drunkards and working through this. And it gets into this place in chapter 28 where it says, with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak unto his people and says, this is the rest. There is no great rest outside of him. If you've been weary in your mind, I know the answer. His name is Jesus. If you've been overwhelmed in your spirit, I know the answer. His name is Jesus. 
If you've been bombarded, you lay your head to the pillow at night, but your mind, I'm talking to some people right now, your mind is on overdrive. Your mind is on overdrive because you can't stop thinking and seeing the images or thinking of the to-do list or how do I lay down? My body's exhausted, but my mind won't stop. What am I supposed to do? I'm going to tell you what you can do if you really want to find rest instead of watching Instead of watching that show for two and three hours before bed, open up that word. Is this too old school? Come on, I'm almost done. Amen me like you want me to stop. Come on, amen me like you want me to stop. This is the... Why? That's not how our world does it. We're not like this world. We're not trying to find fulfillment in going to the next Christmas market or getting the latest Christmas drink from the drive-thru. That's not where we find fulfillment. We find fulfillment in the love and the joy and the peace of God. It's in the power of the presence of God. How many believe in Matthew 11? Come unto me. All ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I. Yeah, but pastor, you don't understand the sickness. I don't, but he does. Pastor, you don't understand the crisis we're in. No, but he does. I wasn't wounded for you, but he was. I wasn't bruised for you, but he was. I didn't take the chastisement of your peace, but he did. So where do we run in the holiday season? How about we run to the one that the holiday season's all about? What do we do? I'll tell you what we do. We run to him in prayer. Now, I'm going to give a license today. I'm done. I'm stopping. I'm, I'm ish. I, no, I am, really. I, I am. I want everybody in the room to hear me. Because I'm going to tell you what maybe your husband won't tell you, your wife won't tell you, your kids won't tell you, your neighbors won't tell you, your boss won't tell you. If you need to rest, rest. But rest in him. They rested by the brook. They rested at the place of provision. And I'm going to tell you that just laying down is not enough for rest. Just stopping is not enough for rest. It matters where you stop. It matters where you find your halt. It matters that you stop. I'm trying to revive somebody's memory right now of when you used to crawl into a prayer closet alone with him. One person said, I don't, I don't have time to pray. I'm too busy. To which I would respond, I did then, I do now. You're never... You're never too busy to pray. Pastor, why do you believe in prayer so much? It is our connection with God. It is our connection with God. You putting a manger scene in the front yard won't do it. You putting a Calvary sticker on the back of your car won't do it. You showing up to church, it's a good step, but this alone, you got to do more than come to church. You got to be the church. And in order to be the church, you got to get alone with Him. How many know that when we come together, it's a lot more powerful if we have individually been with God? What do we need? 
We need peace. And peace and rest, they work together. So how do I get rest in my home? Pastor, how do I do it? I'm going to tell you how to do it. If you're married, I want you and your spouse to pull your calendar out. And I want you to, this. listen, I want you to pull your calendar out. And I want you to see how many Christmas parties are on it. I want you to see how much overtime's on it. And I want you to see how many intentional times in prayer are on it. Well, we don't schedule prayer. That's a problem. Stand with me. Learning to lean. I'm learning to lean. Learning to lean on Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. But I can find rest in Him. I want you right where you're at if you're willing. I want you to lift your hands. I want you to close your eyes. Some people in the room, you think, well, that's good. I want to recover everything, but I'm not exhausted. But there's some people in the room. You're so tired. You're tired to the place that you feel like those men in 1 Samuel. I can't go on. I'm at the place where I'm about to faint. One translation said they told him, we're too exhausted. We've been fighting and fighting and fighting. We've been traveling and traveling and traveling. We've been going and going. We're too exhausted. They've been sick for so long. We're too exhausted. hands lifted I want every person to pray not just for yourself but pray for those around you God let us find rest take time to rest I gotta go here they're counting on me I gotta go there they're depending on me I gotta do this they're depending no 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 he is depending on you Don't you sacrifice your family on the altar of your child. Don't you sacrifice your mind on the altar of this season. I've got a sensitive call to make today. It's a sensitive call for a church that believes that God can do in a moment. Brother Kilman, my dad had been so sick. I've told this story before. My dad had been so sick. My mom was so exhausted. I've talked to many of you about what it means to be the caregiver. And many of our church, in our church have been through this season. She was so exhausted. She would tell me later I felt like I couldn't go on any further. And there was a prayer in a service. When the minister looked out over the church and said, you're exhausted in your body, you're exhausted in your mind, and God wants to restore something in you. I'll never forget as a teenager watching my mom walk down to an altar. 
she was prayed for. The Lord touched her there. She told me again not long ago the story. She said, when the Lord touched me that day, I felt like I had slept for weeks. I can't explain it outside of the fact that I found rest in Him. She said, I had been looking for answers in the hospital. I had been looking for answers in the medicine. I had been looking for answers. But when I found Him that day, she said, it felt like I slept for weeks in that moment. And I, I know I might not be talking to hundreds here today, but I'm talking to several that you're in a place where you say, I'd like to feel the rest of God whether it's personal, whether it's family trial, whether it's final, I don't know what it is. And the truth is, the good news is, if you're one of the 200, think about that. One third of the group needed rest. One third of those men needed rest. And the way the Lord's put it on me this week, I'd venture to say the percentages are pretty close in this church, that there's a whole host of people that would say, I need God. I need God to intervene and give me rest and peace. And if I'm going to be able to manage the recovery he's giving, then I need. If you're in this room, I really want to do this right now. I've said it twice. I want to do it again, and I don't want us to quickly get out of it. I want us to go to prayer all over the room. Come on, I want you to go to prayer with me all over the room.